0: church did any of you ever own one of those we did it was kind of fun it was very cool Uh, yeah like shag carpet in the back and the back seat was out and it was all foam and hippie-ish and yeah it was very cool it was a high school kid it was awesome to have fun driving around in that thing well it is good to be with you all this morning if you're watching online thank you for joining in if you're here in the room thank you for coming and being a part of us this morning Um, If you happen to be watching this later, uh, I'm really glad that you uh, are all here as we move into a new teaching series. Uh, I am so excited to be able to bring this message to you today, and I pray that God would just open your your hearts and and to hear um, what he has to say. Before we get started, though, I wonder, have you ever met one of those people whose glass is perpetually half-full? You know, that person who no matter what kind of curveballs life throws at them, they never ever seem to flinch. Have you ever spent time with a person who has every human right to be bitter, to be angry, to be frustrated, to seek out revenge, to be able to, they, they might want to, might have a good reason to pour out words of hate and, and, and do actions of hate, yet they don't. Have you ever known someone who lives on purpose, with intentionality, regardless of their circumstances, someone who stays positive in spite of their situation, who even when life is not always fun or, or fair or full of the world standards of success, that they still journey through their life with a determined confidence, not one that is built on their feelings, not even one that is built on their experience, but one that is built out of a willful decision to just live a life of joy. Does that describe you? Are you one of those people? I mean, if it is, fantastic. You've achieved, you've attained, you've got a lot to teach the rest of us. But I believe that even if that is not who you are, I believe it can be. I believe that for you and I, we can be people who determine, no matter our circumstance, to live a life of joy. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church of Philippi, shared these words. It's kind of the theme verse for our teaching. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Always be full of joy, Paul says. I say it again, rejoice. I grew up learning it in the New International where it says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I think those are amazing words. And Paul is reminding us that it is a willful decision for us to live a life of joy. It's not simply something for us to take under consideration. I don't believe Paul is throwing it out there merely as a suggestion, I think that Paul would remind us that it is a willful decision to choose to live a life of joy. And it's not based on our circumstance. It's not based on our situation. And now if you have personally experienced joy in your life, or you've seen it played out in the life of another, you'll know that true joy doesn't have to be reserved for somebody else. It's not just for people who have it all going for them. You know, the right income, the right stuff, the right friends. See, joy isn't something reserved for the healthy and the happy and the free. It's not reserved for those who might earn it or or deserve it. Paul would remind us that for those who have chosen to follow Jesus, that choosing to live a life of joy is the standard. It's the expectation. It's a part of who we are. Friends, being a, a person whose life is full of joy is who God has called us to be, and it's who God will empower us to be. You know, this morning we are teaching, starting our new teaching series here at Fork called Joy Ride. It's a journey through the book of Philippians, and for the next few weeks we're going to be walking through this letter written by the Apostle Paul, a letter which focuses on the joy-filled journey that each and every one of us can experience when we devote our lives to following after Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you have uh, set up a place for us to come and to hear your word. We thank you for uh, us owning Bibles and being able to open the scripture to see what it has to say to us. We thank you for the collective wisdom found on those pages that teach us how to live and teach us how to love. And we're thankful for the book of Philippians that encourages us to live a life of joy. And we know that we're already determined that that's not something that comes easy or natural. God, help us to make that determination. That's who we want to be. That's how we will choose to live. By your strength, by your power. Jesus, it's your name we pray. Amen. The Oxford Dictionary defines joyride as a ride for enjoyment in a vehicle or an aircraft. Simplistic. Now, there are some other definitions of joyride that you may have heard Uh, Sometimes they involve a stolen vehicle. Uh, They involve breaking various traffic laws. But that's not what we're talking about here. Our joy ride comes when we choose to follow after Jesus. It comes when we as believers join him on this ride through life. And in him, we find a life ready to be enjoyed. In Jesus, our joy ride means we have chosen to have joy in our journey. You know, we all know that we live in a time and age, situations where it's not exactly conducive to experiencing joy. Life moves at hectic and frantic paces. Our schedules run from morning to night, practices and games and performances and duties. We experience crushing, suffocating pressure from within and from without Expectations from our parents, expectations from our bosses, expectations from our children, right? Deadlines loom, our calendar is full. We have lack of sleep, we have lack of space, we have lack of quiet, and sometimes we just don't even know where we're headed. Sometimes it's hard to even place one foot in front of the other. It just seems like we're just drudging along. Sometimes it seems like it's difficult even to catch a breath. So we escape. We escape. And we medicate and we accumulate. And sometimes we simply vacate because we know that there's something in our life that's missing. Jesus, talking about life, said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He says, but I have come to give you life and give you life to the full. And it's only in Jesus can we find that full life It's only through our relationship with him can we find that missing piece. And it's only through Jesus that we will find a life of life-changing joy. I'm glad you're here today, but I also, also hope that you'll make it through the next few weeks as we have these conversations talking about joy in humility, joy in serving, joy in our purpose, and joy in knowing Jesus Feel free, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of uh, Philippians. It's in our New Testament, part of our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got some on the rack back in the back. You're welcome to grab one of those. Keep it, take it home. We'll be on page 946 in there. Or you can follow along on your phone. That's okay here. Get your phone out and follow on that. Or we'll have it on the screens as well, right? And we're going to be talking this week, as we start off this series, about having joy in the journey joy in the journey but before we do let's talk a bit about this fellow paul this guy that's writing we're going to listen to his words for the next few weeks so he along with timothy wrote this letter right we first hear about paul in the book of acts acts is uh, one of those books in our bible it is one that kind of talks about the acts of the apostle the acts of the early church, gets us a picture of what the early church looked like. In Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9, we read about this guy named named Saul. They called him Saul at this point, right? Saul was a religious leader, a devout religious leader. And he not only stood in firm opposition to the advancement of the church, he himself was authorized to carry out executions, to kill Christians for their faith. But Saul, on the road to Damascus, had an encounter. He had an experience with the living Christ. And for three days and three nights, he was blinded, waiting to hear a word from God until a man named Ananias, and Ananias, reluctantly and rightly so, he was called by God to go speak to this man who had been killing Christians. And he did it anyway. And here's what we read in Acts chapter 9. Words to Ananias, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now you're welcome to go ahead and read, it's fascinating to read Paul's conversion story, to read his history, and you're welcome to go ahead and do this, but I'll summarize it by saying that exactly what Ananias said is exactly what happened. Paul or Saul who he is known at the time Saul became one of the greatest missionary evangelists ever right he took the good news of the resurrected Christ certainly to the nation of Israel to the Jews but more than that he became an apostle a missionary an evangelist to the Gentiles the non-Jews folks like probably most of us and it was on a couple of those missionary journeys we read about Saul also known as Paul, visiting this assembly of believers in this church in Philippi. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. Here's the first encounter with the church at Philippi. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, Luke, his traveling companion, was there with him. He says, we boarded a boat, this is Acts 16:11. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. That's a good one, right? So here's something you learn to do when you're reading the Bible out loud. If you don't know how to say the word, the name, the city, you say it with authority and everybody thinks you said it right. So just, you guys, that was a free one, right? So he went to this island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was named Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Now you might note I've been using Saul and Paul interchangeably. It's funny and sad how sometimes you read the Scripture and you think, I'm going to make this great point. I'm going to make this great point about Paul's name and Saul's name. And then you search the Scripture and you realize, man, I can't make that point because it's just not there. Now, I don't know how many of you grew up believing that Saul, upon his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, that his name was changed to Paul. Has anybody else thought that besides me? Good, I'm not alone because it's not there, guys. we're We've been misled. It's not there. Here's the deal. We kind of want to play like, oh, what a great conversion story. It's kind of like Abram becoming Abraham, you know, or Jacob becoming Israel. Or like we talked last week, you know, Simon becoming Peter. Look, Saul becomes Paul. Listen, Saul was a Jew. He was from the nation of Israel. He had a Hebrew or a Jewish name, Saul. Like the first king of the nation of Israel, Saul. It was a perfect fit when he was talking to Jews. It was a perfect fit when he was in Jerusalem. Philippi, on the other hand, was not in Israel. It was Greek. It was in Greece, right? Not Israel. Not Jews. Gentiles. The people there were Gentiles. Not much Hebrew spoken there. And Paul was not a new name. Paul was the Hebrew name. I'm sorry, Paul was the Greek name. And Saul was the Hebrew name. Saul was the Hebrew name. Paul was the Greek name. Paul himself, you might remember saying, Hey, when I'm with the Jews, I'm going to become a Jew so that I might win some. When I'm with the Gentiles, I'm going to become like a Gentile so that I might win some. I'm going to do all things for all people so that I could, so some might get saved, right? So, so he takes on, where's both names? It's not a new name, same name, right? Just a different language. So, anyway, back to Lydia. Luke writes, verse 15 She and her household were baptized. And she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Now there's more to this story, and I encourage you, keep reading. Not right now, keep listening. But later on today, read through some some more of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, go 17, 18, 19, 20. If you get to 20, you'll see here's Paul back in Philippi once again. So what I'm seeing here is, Philippi becomes this place that is near and dear to Paul's heart. And it's quite clear that during these journeys that this relationship with them has grown. He cared for them. He loved them. He invested in them. And it's only fitting that found in our Bibles that we should have a letter that Paul wrote to this church that he loved so dearly. A letter that expresses his affection and his encouragement for them. And as we read through the book of Philippians, we see that his affection for them and his encouragement to them was made clear by his expressions of joy about them and his joy about their joy in following Jesus. If you read the full letter to the church of Philippi, it's a very short book, um, just four chapters long, you'll see over and over the word joy and rejoice. I encourage you, go home this week. Get out your Bible, get a highlighter, read through those chapters, and every time you see the word joy or rejoice, highlight that, just to see how much Paul is emphasizing joy there. And as you do, I want you to think about these important lessons that God has for each of us from this life of joy, as Paul demonstrated and explained as he was talking to the church at Philippi. So Paul starts out his letter like this. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And what a great way to start a letter. Who doesn't want to be encouraged Right in your journey to have grace, to have the grace of God, to have the peace of God. But he doesn't just stop with grace and peace. He wants more for his friends there. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. And now I'm certain of this, that God, who began the good work within you, will continue to work until it is finished on the day When Christ Jesus returns. Just like Paul reminded his listeners, he reminds us today God is not done with us. He is still doing a good work in us. Until we breathe our final breath or until Christ returns, God is still in the process of making us and shaping us into His image. And while our joy might at times seem, well, insufficient or incomplete, He is not done with us he is not giving up on us you see joy in the journey comes as we grow in our obedience to Jesus joy in the journey comes as we grow in our obedience to Jesus Paul goes on he tells his readers that he prays for them with joy this is such a hopeful start To this short letter. This is so encouraging. What cool promise, right? Life must be so good for Paul right now. He's filled with so much joy. He's expressing so much joy. He must certainly have everything going for him in order to be able to write with such peace and contentment. He must not have a care in the world. Isn't that where we oftentimes think that joy comes from? We think it comes when life is full of happiness good times rainbow glitter unikitties right we think that our joy is dependent on our lot in life rather than our decision of choice in life and it's easy to assume the exact same thing was going on with paul that his joy came from smooth sailing no worries it's a life of ease I think, though, that Paul would remind us that joy in the journey is not dependent upon the circumstances along our way. The joy in the journey is not dependent on the circumstances along our way. The reality is that when Paul was writing these words, they came from a place of pain. They came from a place of punishment. He literally wrote them while he was under house arrest. He'd been in prison for his faith. In this process, he had been flogged with a whip. He had been passed from one official to the next, standing trial. His trial got moved, and on the way to where it got moved to, there was a shipwreck. He was a part of that. And most likely, when he was writing these words to the church of Philippi, he was incarcerated in Rome. Friends, this would not be our recipe for joy. And I think if left to his feelings and emotions, if left to what Paul might have been feeling naturally, it would not have been his recipe for joy either he couldn't leave his house he couldn't go preach in the synagogue he couldn't go visit people in their homes he was unable to live a normal life probably constantly chained to a roman guard can you imagine being chained to another person 24 7 but just as we do when we find ourselves in less than ideal places on our journey paul had choices to make about how he was going to respond to it. He had a choice to make about how he was going to act, how he would react. You see, Paul made some decisions, and we read and we find out that his body was shackled, but his spirit was not. His travel was limited, but his testimony was not. His freedom was robbed, but his joy was not. And while that may not be our recipe for joy, and it probably wasn't Paul's first choice of his recipe for joy, it certainly was God's recipe for joy you see to what most to most would have been a place of fear and frustration and despair and hopelessness instead for paul he had the opportunity to share the good news of jesus christ with all who would come to the jail all who would come to the home all who would come to visit and he was able to especially share the good news of jesus christ with every single roman soldier who was ever chained to him he was able to share his life he was able to share his faith Uh, Mostly, I think he was able to share his joy. He was able to share his joy. And 2,000 years later, we are reading a book that he wrote. And it still encourages us, it directs us in the way that we should live, and the way that we should love, and the way that we should think, and the way that we should pray. And Paul's words to the church at Philippi today still remind us where true joy comes from. Where true joy comes from us. You see, my guess is that most of us naturally find that worry is easier than confidence, that fear is easier than freedom, that control is easier than surrender. And when it comes to circumstances of life, I think that just about anything can come easier than joy if we allow it to. But Paul showed us by an example that though it may be difficult to live by, that when we choose joy in the journey that we can have it, that we can experience, that we can live it no matter the circumstance. The letter to the Philippians also teaches us that joy in the journey can make a difference in the life of others. Joy in the journey makes a difference in the lives of others. You see, our choice for joy impacts not only those who are journeying along with us, but those who are observing from the outside as well. Let's go ahead and read verse 12, again, Philippians chapter 1. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Definitely the palace guard heard the good news of Jesus. The believers were bolden in their proclamation of the gospel. The good news of Jesus was shared. Why? Because in spite of his circumstances, Paul chose joy in the journey. Can you imagine if instead that he had had a glass half empty outlook, a woe is me outlook and everyone is against me attitude. Can you imagine what impact that would have had on the guards? What impact that would have had on those who were following him, who he was leading, whose example he was setting? I'm guessing we wouldn't be reading about joy in this book of Philippians this morning. But think about your own life. Can you imagine who and how you could impact others Can you imagine how they would be impacted, how their lives could be changed, how they could see something different if you would choose to have joy in your journey? See, Paul's life and his words also show us that joy in the journey demonstrates our confidence in Christ. Joy in our journey demonstrates our confidence in Christ. You see, when things are going well, faith is pretty easy. Obedience isn't so tough. We We find ourselves very confident in in who we are and in whose we are. But when we're on the other side of that, when the world looks bleak, joy is a little harder to choose. But listen to what Paul says, starting in verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Verse 25. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive, so I can continue to help all of you grow. And experience the joy of your faith. I got to hang out with a friend this week. Um, He was a man of God. He was a man of faith. He was also a man who was very near death. When asked how he wanted to be prayed for, he said he wanted to be able to continue to live a life that would bring honor to Christ. And he did. Two days later, he passed in the arms of Jesus. You see, this man was a man who had fully chosen to have joy in his journey. Every day to the very end. What does that look like for you? What does this look like for me? From the scriptures, Paul says it's living for Christ. It's honoring Christ. It's working for Christ. It's being ready to die in Christ. And no matter our situation, to experience joy In our faith. Lastly, from this first chapter, we're reminded that joy in the journey shows us that heaven is our home. Joy in the journey shows us that heaven is our home. You see, it's easy to get caught up in the attractions of this temporary place. We allow the world to establish our priorities for us, we allow media and social influencers to dictate what we should think and, and what we should believe. We get distracted by our agendas and the agendas of others. We get consumed with the tyranny of the urgent and the lures of stuff and success. Right. It's been said that our passions follow our plans. So I wonder, what do you get excited for? What are you passionate about? Right now, I've got kids in Minneapolis. They're excited because they're getting ready well, they just, just this week, they bought a new house. Their very first home. My granddaughter in Philadelphia is excited because just this week, she turned 10. Right? Double digits. Uh, in a week or so, my wife and I are going on a short vacation. I'm excited about that. We get excited about those things that we have planned. Do you, do I, plan a life of joy? Are we planning a life of joy are we planning a life of journeying with Jesus are we planning an eternity with him then let's get passionate about it let's get excited about it paul reminds us in verse 27 above all you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about christ Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Those are great words. See, Paul, as well as the church of Philippi, recognized the value of choosing joy in the journey. It isn't always easy, and it certainly doesn't always come naturally. But for those who have chosen to follow Jesus, choosing to live a life of joy is who God has called us to be. And it's who God wants to empower each of us to be. So let's join Jesus on this joy ride that he has planned for us. Let's join Jesus on this joy ride that he has positioned us for. It is ours for the taking and ours for the living if we will simply choose it, if we will simply choose him. Let's pray. Jesus was so thankful that in the midst of a jail, house arrest, chained to a guard, whatever that looks like, waiting for trial, that Paul was able to be an example of joy to us. In the middle of the hardships that he experienced, and we can read about those in the accounts of his life, in the midst of the times that he went through so much struggle and trouble, he could still Find joy. And God, no matter what situation or circumstance we're going through, we step out in faith today to say, I will choose joy. I will choose joy because Jesus, I know you're going to go with me in the journey. Because this journey after you, Jesus, well, that's what you want for us. You want us to have a life full of faith. You want us to have a life full of hope. You certainly want us to have a life full of love. Help us today, though, to choose also to have a life full of joy. Jesus says, in your name we pray. Amen.